Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And just delighted today to have my friend Bill Carpenter with me. And you guys are going to love him. You're going to enjoy him. As he says, he's just a country boy. But he's a country boy with a lot of wisdom and a lot of talent and a whole lot of love. Bill, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. I got to meet Bill through our mutual friend, Mike Ruff. And Mike's out in California now. And Bill's in Ohio. And I'm in Lawrence, Kansas. But thanks to technology, we're here together. And you're going to love Bill's heart and getting to know him. And as I always do, I like to start off by asking our guest, how is your growing understanding of God's unconditional love and grace. How's it affected your relationship where the rubber hits the road with your friends and family and neighbors and your co-workers? How things changed for you, Bill? Well, in reality, I've been saved all my life. You know that. But I've been a believer since I was about eight years old and thought that I pretty much had everything down. And as I grew, I learned some more things. And all of them, really had to do with me working really hard to please a God that expected a lot of things from me that I found out in my life that I wasn't really able to produce. And so as I walked in that, and I always had that question. And one day I was listening to my pastor, and I had listened to him for quite a few years, but all of a sudden he said some things that was completely different. And he talked about the sufficiency, the complete sufficiency, not just for me, but for everyone. And I said to myself, and my wife was with me, I said, did he say that? And she said, I think so. So I went home and I told the Lord, I said, that can't be. <laughs> just no way that you're that good. And there's just no way that you can do all of that. Because I know for a fact that. The Bible says that there's things I have to do. And so and it really worried me because I'd listened to this guy for 14 years and, and I had agreed basically with everything that he said. And I said, I'm not going back. And I used to give out uh, the DVDs and stuff that he had put out to other people. And I wrote them all notes and said, hey, you want them? You get them yourself because I can't deal with this. So um, I don't know what I'm going to do. So my wife went to town the next morning, about a week later, and I went out on my back and I said, Lord, I don't have no peace. And I said, I don't have to have understanding, but I've got to have peace. If there's something there, then I'm pretty hard-headed and set my ways and, and you need to show me whatever it is. And there was a sense of peace come over me. And I, like, I mean, it was just, well, my heart's my verse that I've had since I was 18. Let not your heart be troubled. 
you believe in God, believe also in me, just flooded over me. Now, I told Jennifer, I said, we're going to go back, but I sure don't understand what's going on. It took a year for the Lord to finally show me that the scriptures that I was reading were saying what he was saying, not saying what I was saying. Uh And it was a real tough time because I know that my mom and dad and all of them loved the Lord. They were believers. And uh, I had been raised up in that and taught. And I was probably almost 60. 60? Before I was free. Uh And I remember this weight just coming off of me that all of a sudden (laughs) I knew that him being in me was a reality, not just me saying the words that he was in me. And it changed my life. It changed my spiritual life because I've always known that love was the key. But for some reason, I could never love my enemies. (laughs) I always fell short, but I knew love was the key. I knew that that's where it was at, but I didn't know how to get there. And uh, I got there when I went to the cross, and I actually seen the cross as the love of God personified. And I seen that love raised in newness of life. And I seen myself raised in him. And since that day, love has been all that I am. And I've had people say to me, well, do you tell people that everybody's going to go to heaven? I said, that's not my message. Do you tell people that this is what God did and it's universal? I said, that's not my message. And they say, what's your message? And I said, my message is God's love. It is so much bigger than anybody has ever thought. So that's what my message is. God loves you. That's what it did in my life. It changed my outlook. It changed how I deal with people. There's only one other change that I can remember that affected me like that. When I got with my wife, and I had never known a love like that. And when I got with my wife, and she loved me with no hold barred, for the first time in my life, I started writing things. They were inside of me all along. And that was the same thing that when I heard that I didn't have to worry about my uncle, that God died for him too, that he died for the sin of the whole world. Once I realized that, there was a weight come off of me, and I knew from that time on that I wasn't going to reap what I sowed in the flesh, that when I get my eyes off of him, that I'm going to go out there and I do these things. In the flesh, I'm going to reap that. But I want to tell you, I knew from that point on where my destiny is and where my destiny will be, because my destiny is already right here. I, right now, am in heaven. I just don't sometimes let go of the flesh enough to enjoy the abundant life that I have in heaven. Boy, Bill, that's wonderfully said. And, of course, you know I feel the same way. You said you didn't start writing until the experience with your wife and unconditional love and then knowing that God's better than we thought. And now you write all the time. Your writings are just beautiful, and uh, they just seem to flow, don't they? You don't sit down and ponder over them and work them up. They just come, right? I get kind of embarrassed when people say that I'm a poet because in reality, I'm not. I have never sat down and tried to match two words so that they rhyme. Really? I'll be driving down the road, and the Lord will be dealing with me because he has a lot 
deal with. And he'll be dealing with me. And that's the way I hear it. That's the way he talks to me. And the way that you see when I put down and I write. Them are not for anybody else, although the Lord gives them to me uh, for that reason, I think. But, well, I know it is because he embarrassed me really bad one time by showing me that he said, you walk around and say, this is not of me, this is not of you, that it's of me. But he said, you really don't believe that. You really think that that's you. Because I like to take credit for stuff, not outwardly, because that wouldn't show humility. It's all hid, <laughs> it's all hid down inside. You're but honest, Bill. You're honest. This is the way that I do that. And I'll tell you a real quick story about, oh, five years ago, I retired from a telephone company in 99. And I got a phone call from a lady that was in another state that I used to work with 25 years ago. Well, it's 30 years ago now. And she said, your old boss died. Did you know that? And I said, no. And he said, well, his wife called me and said to tell you that he died. And I said, okay. So that have been 25 years ago that I worked with this guy. And, everything. and so about three hours later, I got another call from a woman that was in another state that I used to work with up there that had moved out and retired. And she said, uh, your boss passed away and his wife called and said to be sure and tell you. Now I hadn't heard from either one of these people since I had retired. And so I told my wife, I said, you know, something weird going on here. And she said, well, sounds like it. So I went to work the next day and I lived in Charleston, West Virginia. And as soon as I got there, I got a phone call at work. And it was from a woman that I had worked with 25 years before that I had kept in contact with her every once in a while. We'd be on Facebook. And she said, Sam's passed away and his wife called and said, what did you know? So this is on Monday. And I said to myself, and she, I said, well, when are they having the funeral? She said, this afternoon at two o'clock. He died on Friday or Thursday. And I said, oh, it's probably a hundred and some miles between Charleston and Morgantown. So I said, Lord, do you want me to go? I, I, I only met his wife one time. And he just laid that on my heart. So I called my boss and I said, I'm going to Morgantown because I want to see what's going on. I said, my old boss died and he was a believer. And I said, uh, we used to talk all the time. And he said, go ahead. So I called my wife and I said, I'm going to be late. I'm going to go up there. Now, this is at 12 o'clock. And so I jumped in my car. Takes me two hours. I looked on my uh, thing where you can check, see how far it is, how long it takes you. And it said it'd take me two hours to get me there just as it's supposed to start, two o'clock. So I drove all the way up there and I'm saying, Lord, I don't even know. I don't need why I'm coming up here. I said, I only met her one time. I might not even know her. So anyway, I go in and, and there's the general home and I go in and, and they got it going. We had steps going down and the casket was at the base of these steps down there. And there were three women standing there talking. And I said to myself, well, one of them got to be his wife. So I just kind of walked down a little bit to the left. And, and uh, when I got down there, the two women left. And she was standing there. And I looked over at her and I said, I didn't really recognize her because like I said, I don't see one. I said, I'm Bill Carpenter. And she was probably eight feet away from me. She ran eight feet around, throwed her arms around me, kissed me on the neck, 
and said, oh, I was hoping you would come. I was hoping you would come. I love you. Thank you for coming. So I'm sitting there. <laughs> I mean, I was bewildered before, but I'm really bewildered now. And her son, who I had met with her when I met him, he was eight years old. Now he was like 30-some. She said, go tell your aunt that Bill's here. And so he said, okay. So he leaves. And I said, you know, Sam, I thought maybe she was just worried about where Sam was going to be or whether he was going to go. And I said, Sam's going to be home with the Lord. She said, oh, I know that. That's no problem. She said, he made all the arrangements. He knew he was going. We're singing the songs in the thing that he wanted to have. And I said, unreal. What's going on? About that time, here comes this woman. She's about 60. And she looked over at Sam's wife, which I can't even tell you her name. And she said, is this the one? <laughs> this sounds weird. I know. And she said, yeah. She come running across. She gave me a great big hug, kissed me on the neck and said, oh, Bill said, I couldn't wait to meet you. And I said, I didn't even know Sam had a sister. I said, you know, he was my boss. <laughs> I didn't know. We didn't talk about that. And she said, oh, yeah. She said, every time you would write a poem and send them to me, because Sam wanted my poems. She said, every time that you would write a poem and send them to him, he would call me up and say, hey, I got another one. I'm going to send it to you. And she said, he would send it to me. I would take it down to my church and we would have a meeting around the poem about the love of God because we wasn't hearing about the love of God. <laughs> well, for this time, I'm really benighted. <laughs> and I said, I didn't even know that. That's great because I've been going through this. Did the Lord have you do this? Or are you just doing it to have people pat you on the back and say a nice poem? And I said, so what do we need here? And she said, we need your email address. And I said, my email address. She said, yeah. Sam changed his passcode to his computer before he left, before he passed. And she said, we didn't know how to get in there to get these poems. And we want your email address. If you'll give it to us, we'll give you ours. And you send us the poems that you're writing. And then they walked off and left me standing there. And there was none, nobody. I didn't know anybody up there because I didn't know anybody standing. He was my boss. I didn't have went with that. And so all the people that were there, I didn't know any of them. And they walked off and somebody came down and started talking to their wife. So here I am standing there twiddling my thumb saying, what am I doing here? And so I go out and I get in the car. And nobody says bye. Nobody says anything. And I'm driving down the road. And I said, Lord, what is going on? He said, you need to know, first of all, that I can raise up anybody I want to be talked to. And you need to also know that your things that I give you on your heart for you goes to people that you will never meet in your life, ever. And you didn't even know about these people, but they're out there and they all send them out to their friends on email. And so these things were going out there without me ever knowing who they was or whatever. So I wanted you to know that I don't need you to feed them. And that woman wasn't looking for you when she came down there. She was looking for Jesus. She was looking for that love that you write on those poems. Is this the one? And said she was looking for my son. And she said she found it in those poems because he said that's where my son is. So, and that's something I realized then that it had nothing to do 
with me. He deals with me, and all I do is share that with my kids. That's what I started out with. I've got 10 kids. I wanted them to hear what I had learned, and I want to tell you, a lot of the things that I taught them early is not what I believe today because the things that I showed early. So they've had to, and I told them, because I say it, don't make it true. You need to find this in a relationship with him because there'll be somebody, I don't know that there is anybody out there, but there'll be somebody that can talk faster than me. (laughs) (laughs) And when they do, unless you have a relationship and unless you know the reality of what I'm saying, not just the words that I'm saying, They'll have you believe in something else within an hour or two hours or whatever time. A relationship with Jesus is the only thing that allows you to discern his love in the Word. And then after I did that, I wrote that if you want to read the Bible, read the, read the Bible with this thing in mind. God is love. And if anything you read in there makes you think other than that, you read it wrong because he is love. Wow, that's beautiful, Bill. What a story. And uh, tell just a little bit. You mentioned to me before that you went back to your parents' land and you built a house and you had it wired for electricity, but you didn't have it hooked up, but no TV so that you could be with your kids and just hang out and play games and do life together. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, you did. When me and Jennifer got married, at that time, we only had nine kids. They were from really small up to, eight or nine, 10 years old. And we asked the kids, we said, we're going to build a house. And me and Jennifer built this house. I dug the footer by hand. We laid the block and everything. It didn't have a basement. And I dug a great big pit there for a, a cistern so that we could have water off the house. And we had an outdoor toilet. And then I had them come in and I wired the whole house. I built a 14-room house. 14 rooms? Well, I had ten kids. I had nine kids. Built, yeah, fourteen room house, and I built for about two and a half years. I think it was probably took me that long to, to build it. And we had no electric. And they said we want to go back to the land. We want to know what it's like to live off the land. Well, I'm a hunter, and I was at that time. So we, the Ben boys, we we done a lot of hunting and sort of meat and stuff, and there's a lot of game over in our area. And like I said, we had no electric. And that's all they talk about is that time. And the, and the power company guy used to come by and he said, what are you doing? Because, I mean, we had a place there to hook it all up, but we had never hooked it up. We finally did hook it up because I was missing the football games so much that they, we, that was the reason. We had, kids never asked for anything on the TVs or anything. But I finally got to work being a high State fan. I wanted to <laughs> wanted to watch them but anyway my wife was really the one that was the key to that uh we she did the laundry we would heat these big tubs of water hot water for once a week to do the laundry and then we would she would wash those by hand and then we would run them through the thing where you turned it around and you squeezed the water out of it and we hung them up on lines out there so she was really the one that and we spent all kind of time with the kids because we you know Nine o'clock at night, you got those heaters, the lights on, and it's in the summertime, you're hot. So we went to bed early, but we also went out. The kids played. There's enough of us that we could enjoy playing with each other and having the time. So 
we had that one. And then uh, I went right down from that after we sold that. The kids got up and we met. Uh, well, my father-in-law quit. He retired from preaching. And he was my pastor teacher at that time. And very, very well-versed in the Word and loved the Lord. And, and matter of fact, up until that, I got thrown out of a church from what he preached because he preached the eternal salvation. A lot of them didn't believe that he could. You know, you're going to be saved forever if you was saved. Now, they didn't believe everybody was going to be saved, but if you was saved, you're going to be saved forever. And I brought that up in the original church that I had and went to, which my dad was the superintendent. My mom was part of the, she was a teacher and a secretary, and my sister was a teacher. And, and I got up one time and said what I believed, and they asked me if I wouldn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I, I was just thinking when I was talking to you before about my life. At that time, my upper on the hill where my dad then was a deacon and all that, or I could go in town to hear where this preacher was that was teaching, which was at that time, Jennifer wasn't my wife, where he was teaching that you had salvation forever. And I couldn't make up my mind because my family was there. I didn't want to lose my family. Here, we very seldom ever have any time, nothing like a tornado. But I had just bought a brand new double wide trailer, settled on top of the hill on our farm, because we had 230 some acres on my phone, on dad's farm. And a tornado came through one night and took everything. My wife had got sick and went down to stay with my mom. My dad was working midnight shifts, and I met him coming home, and he said, Bill, he flagged me down. He said, no sense going home. And I said, why? And he said, it ain't there. Because my dad had a sense of humor like I did too. But it wasn't there. It actually totally destroyed it. And it was all my clothes and stuff were in treetops, everything. Except when I drove up the hill, it had rained and then it had froze. That's what it brought that tornado through when all that changed. And I uh, looked and the only thing was there was the base of the trailer. And it was green. Because the carpet was green all the way through it. So it looked like a big pool table with a commode on one end of it. That's what I looked like. <laughs> everything else was gone. All my guns, all the furniture, everything was just wiped out. And I looked down, and I had a big manila envelope that I kept all my bills in and everything. Down in there where the ground had froze after the storm had went through and everything froze, the corner of it was down in that mud. And I knew what it was, and I picked it up. So everything I owed... <laughs> was right there in my hand, but my trailer and everything was all gone. And what happened was is that I found out I had insurance that would pay for me living in town until they got everything settled and I got the money for it. And it was easier to go to the church where the guy taught me that. So I always say, when you're hard-headed, the Lord moves you where he wants you, because he did move me, he did move me into Parkingburg, which was, I mean, in Belfry, which is only about five miles from where the place where I started going to meetings. Wow. And, uh, I mean, I look back on my life and I see the things that the Lord's hand in that, not because I was spiritual <laughs> and not because I was religious. Love. Because he knew in my heart, and, and it's still there today, that I don't even have a clue to how big God's love is. Don't have a clue. I don't either, but I like finding out every day that it's bigger than I thought the day before. Yeah, it is. 
Oh, well, Bill, our time's getting close to being up. I want to thank you so much for being here and for being with us on Sunday mornings with our group. All the people uh, here in uh, Kansas where we are and our, our other friends around the world from California to Sweden to Luxembourg to Germany to New Zealand. Uh, we all love being together and they all love you and uh, the things you have to say. And it's just it's been delightful to become your friend and continue to be and to get to encourage each other. Well, and I'll tell you, it is an encouragement. I know this, and I know that uh, the family is the body of Christ. The only time we get hugs is when we not even have to be physical. It's just the fact that you can see them and you listen to them and you understand that they are one with you and your one body. And I so look forward to that. I usually go to a meeting on Sunday morning and then I have to really rush because at 12 o'clock is when you guys start your stuff that we do. And I mean, our body is huge, like God's love. Mm, it is, isn't it? Well, Bill, thank you again. Tell people how they can connect with you. You know, I really don't know how they find me. I'm not electronically minded, but I do know the Dreamer4242 at live.com is my email address. That's Dreamer, D-R-E-A-M-E-R, 4242, at live.com. And if you get on Facebook and put in Bill Carpenter, when you come to the ugliest guy in there, friend him, because that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I'll put that up on the show notes, and people will be able to connect with you. And who knows other stories you may get about people getting your poems and having church services around them and blessing people that uh, I'm sure there are going to be a whole lot of those that we'll find out when we graduate and pass on to be with the Lord full time. And it'll be wonderful, won't it? Well, it will be. And, you know, I, I, I thought about that. And I'll, I'll just say real quick is that when we get there, the palms will be a person. And so we will see him as he is then. And everything that we have thought of before really is not even going to compare to what we're going to find there. We're going to find we thought maybe they were really, really, really good compared to him. They're nothing like like he said, he has. It hadn't even entered our hearts yet, but he's prepared for us. I'm so anxious to see. (laughs) Well, me too. And Bill, thank you so much. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening today for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray and with Bill Carpenter. And look forward to seeing you all next time. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle. <laughs>